The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. It was almost 20 years ago, I was in a little German village in Saxony. Today it's called Luderstadt, but its old name was Wittenberg. It has a university and a castle church. And I was standing in the castle church right in front of the pulpit, and there in the ground, or there in the floor beneath the pulpit, a man was buried, a man named Martin Luther. It made perfect sense that I was there. I mean, I'm a Lutheran, I'm a Lutheran pastor. This obviously have reasons to be in this little town, in this little church, but as I was standing there looking at the grave, a tour bus pulled up, about 75 people piled out, came in and stood there with me. It didn't take very long for me to realize none of them were Lutherans. In fact, most of them weren't Christian at all. Why were they here? Well, they were there to see the grave of a man that historians have said created a movement that was the most, or the second most influential event of the last 1,000 years. An event that, that historians would consider more important than the discovery of the new world, than, than man leaving the earth for space, or harnessing electricity, or the microchip. What of this man buried in the ground made such a difference? That's what the tourists were there to see. But you know, I wasn't there because the world was changed. I was there because the Spirit had changed my heart. What does it mean to be Lutheran? That's a really good question to ask on this day that the church around the world celebrates the Lutheran Reformation of the church. What does it mean to be Lutheran? I mean, first of all, we should remember that our first name is Christian. We are followers and disciples of Jesus Christ, our Savior. But we do bear this second name, too, Lutheran. And in a way, it's really ironic, because the man after which this church, this, uh, the Protestant movement was named, he, he never wanted anything to do with having any kind of church being named after him, a sinner. He said, let it be called something that calls attention to Christ. The, the preferred name for the churches then was evangelical, which means preaches the gospel. That's why if you look like in the legal name of our congregation, it's Faith Evangelical Lutheran Church. We're a church that preaches the gospel. In fact, the word Lutheran was originally used as a term that the opponents ascribed to these churches. Oh, they're Lutherans. But very shortly, it came to be a term that meant, here's a church that stands on Scripture alone. And so it's a term that we cherish in everything that it stands for. Because you see, at, at the turn of the 16th century, the Christian church was in deep need of reform. There was only one church in the West, and uh, that church was not doing its job it was not taking the gospel of Jesus to sinners who needed to hear it. The church, sadly, was more interested in the political realm than in the spiritual realm. 
The church had covered up the gospel message. That message that we've learned of the arrow pointing down act of God's grace, the church had covered it up and said the way you get to heaven is by obeying the church, by doing a list of good works. The real message of the Bible, the central message of Scripture, of Jesus Christ sacrificed for sinners, was not being proclaimed. For that reason, a reformation was needed. The church needed to be reformed, brought back to God's intention for it. And the man that God happened to use to start that movement was a man named Martin Luther. Now, Martin Luther and uh, the whole Reformation really started because Martin Luther was a man with, with a very active conscience. He was conscious of the sin in his life, maybe like you and I are, maybe even far more than you and I are. I mean, he read the words of Scripture, and he heard what God said, that if you want to get to heaven based on who you are and what you do, arrow pointing up, he said, well, the math is really simple. Be perfectly holy and don't have any sins in your life, and then you can go to heaven. But Martin Luther's conscience told him about himself the same thing ours would tell us. I mean, if I look at my life and say God demands that I be perfectly holy and have no sin, I, I haven't accomplished that in the last 15 minutes. Right? Martin Luther, he realized that this demand that God was making was something he couldn't fulfill. So much so, he, he said that he started to hate the term the righteousness of God. Because... He heard it as the righteousness that God demanded from us, a righteousness that Luther couldn't give. And no matter how many times he went to confession, no matter how many of our fathers he said, no matter how many good works he tried to do, he realized he could not solve the problem of sin in his life. If salvation depends on who we are and what we do, well, where would you be? And if God says you get into heaven depends on the kind of person you are and the kind of past you've had and the kind of future that's pending, where would you place yourself? Would you be in the optimistic bargaining stage where you're like, well, Lord, I know I did some bad things, but I plan on really making a difference in the world, and I'm pretty sure you're going to be happy with what I got in the store? Or would you be in the more realistic phase that I'd be in where I am, Lord, I don't, I don't think this, is, this can possibly work. Or would you be in the dramatically honest phase that Martin Luther was in, where he said that brought me to nothing but despair? Here's the thing. That's not the message of Scripture. It's part of it that God demands perfection from us, that's part of the message of Scripture, but it's not the totality of it. See, Martin Luther and the church, they were, they were preaching a law, but they weren't preaching a gospel. Martin Luther was a professor of, of theology, and as he studied God's word, the, the grace of God began to bring light into what was a dark place. And it was the book of Romans Martin Luther later said, where, where the light finally broke through. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. 
I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Right? This is what the Bible means when it talks about the righteousness of God. It's not something God demands that we give. It's something that God graciously bestows. The righteousness of God isn't something that we perform. It's something that Jesus gifts us through faith. This was a world-changing event for Martin Luther to finally understand the gospel as God intended it, that God is not some angry judge trying to demand works out of us, but God is a loving Savior who gives us righteousness and motivates us to love him through it. Suddenly for Luther, everything made sense and everything changed. I mean, he went from looking at Jesus as an angry judge to a loving Savior. Everything was different. Years later, Luther looked back and he was reflecting on what that moment was like. And this is what he wrote. He said, I greatly longed to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans. and Nothing stood in the way but one expression, the righteousness of God. Because I took it to mean that righteousness whereby God is just and deals justly in punishing the unrighteous. My situation was that although I was an impeccable monk and with many good works to my credit, I stood before God as a sinner, troubled in conscience, and I had no confidence that my own merit would satisfy him. Therefore, I did not love a righteous and angry God, but rather I hated him and murmured against him. Yet I clung to the Apostle Paul and had great yearning to know what he meant. Night and day I pondered, until I saw the connection between the righteousness of God and this passage. The righteous will live by faith. Then I grasped that the righteousness of God is that righteousness by which, through grace and sheer mercy, God declares us not guilty through faith. Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn, to have gone through open doors into paradise. The whole of Scripture took on a new meaning. And whereas before the righteousness of God had filled me with hate, now it became to me an inexpressibly sweet statement which assured me of the love of God. See, the gospel says that the arrow points down. The church had lost her way. But God, in his time, was going to find a way to turn that arrow back around. After making his rediscovery, Luther kept teaching at the University of Wittenberg, but matters did come to a head when there was an emissary from the Church of Rome who came to Wittenberg whose name was John Tetzel. Tetzel was there to raise money for the construction of St. Peter's Cathedral in, in uh, Rome. If you've been to Rome, you've seen it. It's the big one, the biggest church in Christendom. They needed to raise money for St. Peter's, and so in the 15th century, they sent out men like Tetzel to sell indulgences. Now, what's an indulgence? An indulgence was a piece of paper signed by the church that you paid money for, 
Once you paid your money, they'd sign your indulgence, and the indulgence said is that you now had the forgiveness of sins and your time in purgatory was released. What's purgatory? Purgatory is not in the Bible. Purgatory is something that the church at the time said if you lived your life and didn't do enough good in your life to outweigh the bad in your life, which was true for everyone pretty much, well, then you would go to kind of this spiritual holding tank in the sky called purgatory where you could be purged for however long you need to get rid of the bad in your life. Again, that's not in the Bible. The Bible is righteousness from God through faith, right? But the indulgence that you could buy is promised not just a forgiveness of sins, but emptying you out of being in purgatory. It sounded like a super deal. Except, of course, you don't buy and sell forgiveness. That's not the way it works. Well, Martin Luther was a scholar, professor, so he, he did what scholars and professors do. He decided to have a debate about it in the classroom. And so he wrote up 95 sentences or, or theses that talked about indulgences and basically um, criticized the church for trying to sell forgiveness. And then he did what a professor would normally do. He took those 95 statements and he went to the door of the castle church, kind of like the community bulletin board, and he nailed them up there so that anyone who wanted to come and debate these theses would come and do so on the given date. That debate never happened. Something else had happened a few years earlier uh, in Europe. There was a development of something called the movable type printing press. Gutenberg's invention changed a lot of Europe, but this idea that was going to begin circulating on his presses, this was going to change the world. People took Luther's words and they spread across Europe, and it was like lighting a brush fire in a dry canyon. All of a sudden, it couldn't be stopped. The Reformation had begun. But for Martin Luther, this began a very dangerous time. See, shortly after the publication of the 95 Theses, sales of indulgences tanked. This made people pretty upset. And so the, uh, the church in Rome said Luther was under suspicion of heresy. Now, heresy was a big deal in the 1500s. Because if you were found to be a heretic, what they did is they tied you to a pole, piled up wood around you, then burned you alive. So this charge of heresy was, was a very dangerous one for Martin Luther. And so when he was finally summoned before the emperor and the princes of the German nation in 1521, he was to come answer the charge of heresy. But there was no option for debate. They only wanted an answer to two questions. Are these your books? And do you recant them? Do you take them back? Was it a dilemma? I mean, here on one side, what he had written was simply the words of Scripture. This is what God said that the arrow points down, that our salvation is found in Jesus Christ through God's grace alone, through faith alone, and we see this truth in Scripture alone. But failure to recant would mean the stake. I don't know what was going through his mind or his heart, but I know what he did. He clung to God's grace and to God's word, and before the emperor and all the princes of Europe, he said this, Unless you can prove from the Bible and sound reason that I have made wrong statements, 
have spoken contrary to God's word, I refuse to recant. My conscience is bound by the word of God. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. You know, on the festival of the Lutheran Reformation of the Church, it's, it's a good day to remind ourselves what it means to be Lutheran. It doesn't mean following a man. It's not what it's about. Man, Luther was a sinful man like all of us. He said all sorts of things that we wouldn't agree with. But it's about following the message that he returned to the church. right? The message that this church is going to stand solely on God's word. Human laws don't matter. Public opinion doesn't count. Reason, my feelings, those things get to take a back seat. Scripture alone is our rule for our faith and our life. Right? What does it mean to be a Lutheran? It means by Scripture alone. It also means we will confess that our salvation is an arrow pointing down act of God's grace. The righteousness that God calls for is the righteousness that he gives us. That the God of the Bible, the God of this universe, is not some, some angry judge but it's a God who loved you so much that he found you in your wretchedness and he's willing to save you even though you're not a good person. Even though I've got nothing to offer him but a broken heart, he says he's going to save us by grace alone. Not any effort on our part, not any works, just his grace. And it also means that we understand that he gives this to God's people through faith in Jesus alone. That's the way in which God pours his grace and mercy into our hearts. That's the way in which God takes and instills in us the righteousness that Jesus won for us on the cross. That's what Paul meant when he said, in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. The righteous will live by faith. That's what it means to be Lutheran. To stand only on God's word in the face of any attack, to rely only on God's grace in the face of any doubt, and to lean only on our faith in the face of any temptation. That's what God says in his word. That's what it means to be Lutheran. Here we stand. We could do no other. God help us. Amen.